The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. back to legit bat everybody we have a very very special guest that i was very excited about i i wasn't sure that we were going to be able to get him on and it's it's been kind of uh several months we had craig the sawman sawyer on uh he is got a phenomenal honorable rap sheet that he has done with uh both things that are near and dear to everybody's heart but also in the military as well as uh just he's just done everything man he's been all over the place uh please listen to it and when you guys hear the website at the end for uh how you guys can support him please support him he is doing he is doing god's work i'll tell you that right now uh he he's a fucking he's a great dude and um i i I could have asked endless questions so enjoy the episode um what do you guys what did you guys think Did you guys have any other kind of questions that kind of popped up midway that you guys didn't get to get out to him that maybe we could ask him next time uh i kind of wanted to get deeper into some like conspiracy <clears throat> stuff but i knew he wasn't well i didn't know he's so I deep know. into the conspiracy world though that that he's not he's even so deep into it yeah exactly right. so he's I respect he's that. deep into it with a different eye for it i guess different, yeah a different lens almost yeah exactly like, he, so he's, he's looking at it yeah. in a different light but I think he did kind of touch on some things about parenting and how parents really do come first when it comes to your children. Yeah. Parents come first. You don't let your children go out wherever. <clears throat> you don't let them go into the entertainment industry or into the Olympics and say, yes, you can go off with this coach, my 13-year-old daughter, to Europe or depending on where you live, just thousands of miles away. You don't do that stuff. You imagine how much of that shit happens with gymnastics? That's what he was talking about oh, all with the time. gymnastics. Yeah. yeah. So, but then the parents are like, "Oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe this happened." No. When you have a child, you you do take on a responsibility of I will never let anything happen to this child. I've educated Maddie. I've told her what to look for as best right. I can without also screwing up her brain because it's hard. I don't want to wreck her life, but also be like, is, "Hey, this is real." Or look at those those Russian gymnastics teachers. I remember seeing that in the 90s and being like, 
Those guys are creepy. They're like slapping the chicks on the ass and they're like 10. Well, okay. Yeah. So What's going on here? There's, well, and that was also a different time. That was a time where nobody ever would have, like, nobody ever really questioned that because there is right. a certain dynamic that those coaches have with those kids where it is like their children. And so they might be a little bit more uh, affectionate, shall we say, without it being a creepy thing, but not knowing that. It, it that's exactly how it looks and in today's world you see anything like that and you're like uh you should not be doing that the you times should be are changing but i don't think much of that shit has changed we got kind i don't of think it's into... ever okay to slap a kid's ass no oh, we got, no, we got, no of course not no <laughs> okay no we got a little bit into kind of like the weird like history of people like with the adrenochrome we didn't get too deep into that i didn't want to like talk to this dude about that as much he's a military guy so well, he didn't I wanted want to, to talk about also, certain things he said he didn't want to talk about i know well he also I, I he also it. gave the only concrete information that he had on it and i think that that's where he was ready to drop it anyway because he's like look mm -hmm. this is the only factual information i have so yeah anything I else would be speculation He's non-speculative, which is which fun love. for our show. Yes, very. But I respect in the real life that he's not doing that as much because we're retarded. So. But you asked <laughs> in the beginning, Joe, you you asked about... I'm like hiccuping now. Sorry, I got a little drunk. <laughs> but <laughs> you asked something about uh, what he's seen or whatever in the very beginning. And he went full on about... Uh, not he didn't quite go into adrenochrome but he said that it was evil and that there's an aspect of evil behind it and so i, I see where you asked that question about adrenochrome because i was like ooh i know i wanted to prod I, I him i thought he might go shit. there further and then when he didn't i was like okay let's take a step back and let him process cuz he's living it right now and we have right. to respect and remember that he's going through it he's living it he's seeing it we're not. We're just kind of watching it as a third party, basically. No, we're just look, thinking about weird shit and going into Moloch which, worship and, you know. Which is what why, we're seeing third party. Which is why I, I, I really wanted to ask for the people that might be listening and getting kind of all of that very factual, concrete-based information from a man such as Mr. Sawyer was the idea that, like, you know, you, you see somebody with that, like, he was on fucking DevGrew. Like, they make movies and shows about SEAL Team 6. They do documentaries yeah. on just that alone. And he was a fucking sniper. I had no that. idea he was in SEAL Team 6. That's that's a movie thing. I had no yeah, idea. Like that's 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 the that's one of the highest levels. They they handpick who goes in that and from all branches. It's like that's the mecca of of, of special forces other than maybe Delta Force. And uh, as soon as as soon as he started talking about all of these things that he's been able to do, I'm like. I don't I, I don't think that he realizes after after sequentially being able to hit these milestones and continue on his journey like people in our position we look at that and we go dude I will never be able to accomplish that much what am I going to do about this fight and so that's why I asked him I'm like what do we do like as just regular like regular people you know I didn't want to say that but like what do we do as regular people to help you in this fight because you know we see all this shit and then we go well I guess there's some people doing good shit out there for it. Like, no, what am I going to fucking do? I thought that was a great, a great thing to say because he did bring up halfway through, like, would you stop it if it was, you could hear the yeah. child scream? Would you stop it if there was a sheet? Would you stop it if it was in another city? And I'm like, I guess I'd try maybe. I don't know. I have a job and kids in a field. Like, what else can I do? Is there <laughs> something else? Because you're doing, you're going there and yeah. creating teams to stop it. We can't. We don't pavement. have... 
Yeah, he is. We don't have the ability to do that. So if there's something else we can do, absolutely. That was a great, a great thing. To I know. Say. I've, I felt very uh, humbled by having yeah. him on because I'm like, dude, I wake up and like pick my nose for a couple minutes every <laughs> And then morning. he said the booger eater thing. And I'm like, I oh, know. I was well, like, you don't I, eat them, right? Jesus I feel Christ. attacked. No, I don't eat them, but I at least flick them onto the wall. No, it, it, just don't. When you're, or when you're out. Or into a ball. It's. Just don't when you're out in public, you occasionally have to use the farmer's Kleenex and stuff like that. But like, what the fuck? Anyway, not rockets. Yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> not rockets. But no, I, I completely agree with you because he's one of those guys he, just by his character alone, but much less his history. It's one of those things where you go. You know, there's a lot of big names. We've been able to have some pretty big names on and a lot of them are are theorists that's why they're called conspiracy theorists is mm -hmm. they theorize about the world around them and the things that a lot of people don't think about and that's 100 respectable in its own right this dude is living that shit this guy yeah. has been living that shit and he pulls no punches and at the same time he doesn't give any extra where there aren't necessary like you hear these, you know, and he mentioned a few things. And I even saw, Jen, I saw your face wince uh, on more than one occasion at a few of the um, very particular things that he dropped. And in my head, I was doing the same thing because I was like, oh, you know, just like the those, disgusting things about the disgusting yeah, yeah. things. Yep. And it, there was a few things that I remember going. And you know what? That that's his life. Like he has yeah. had to see and be involved in that and talk to people and 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 get confessionals and witnesses from these things that have happened to really gain these cases out of those 23, you know, convictions. And I'm like that I, you don't hear hard jobs like that. And then also have a conversation with somebody who's so fucking down to earth and hasn't allowed it to ruin their own brain. Exactly. Like there's a reason why he, he, he you know, he's been in all of these elite, uh, not that kind of elite, but like, you know, dev grew like you, he, there's a reason why those people make it. Is because right. they go through some shit and they don't let it. They don't let they it. They have a mental them. stability about them yeah. that is obviously noticeable. Yeah, yeah. It's almost it's it's borderline superhuman. Anyway, guys, thank uh, you so much. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Joe, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say this is not a typical episode. We weren't near as goofy because I feel like what he was talking about was not something I could play like penis sound drops or anything <laughs> like that on. But you he, did uh, drop a couple. You're like, and that's how we lost stumbles. And I was like, dude, no, I gotta go too dark soon. a little bit. It's too soon. Uh, no, I no that know. was a turning point. <laughs> that was that was because that was it was right after that that you got up to walk out, and that's when I messaged. I'd written out the message, and I didn't push enter for the whole time you were gone, <laughs> so that when you got back, it would pop the fuck up. Because I was like, dude, it's going to a place, and we don't need to go there. <laughs> Well, you know, I do what I do. It's I a live show, whatever. It's okay. I know, we I know, love you for you. It's, you it's okay. It, but I was like, oh, no. Like, you didn't catch those social cues. God damn. Joe, no, I did. I thought he'd think it was. Joe hears no, some dark shit and he's like, ha, dicks. <laughs> Penises. Yeah, okay. No, but anyway. it, it was more of a serious show, but there's some cool stuff. And you should definitely go support this guy, obviously. And, uh, I don't know if his dick is bigger than mine, but his balls are way bigger. No, his dick's bigger than mine, too. He's, He's got a legit bat. Oh, nice. Nailed it. Again. Two shows in a row. You want right, to know why? Because anyway. I had a 45-minute nap before this episode. What's with you in naps lately? Anyway, let's close this out. This is a long-ass intro. Enjoy the actual dude we had on, because this is stupid. All right, bye. <laughs> stupid. And
Joe, if you don't know that, and that's Jen. Ben is taking a dump or something. I'm not sure yet. Uh, Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself just to start it off here. What what you do, your organization, maybe some crazy stories from your military experience. I'm sure Ben will want to hear that, so maybe save that for the the latter half. But what tell us about your organization and what you're trying to do there. Yeah, well, I founded an organization called Veterans for Child Rescue because I'd, I'd spent most of my adult life in the Marine Corps, SEAL teams, and then uh, federal law enforcement. And I learned about how big and, and ugly child trafficking is in the United States through a friend of mine. And I just was sickened at what a big secret it was. I mean, such a harmful epidemic against children, just literally just hateful and abusive to children on a, to a degree that I, I never would have imagined before. And when I learned how pervasive it actually was, that this was the big secret that the, that the, really the, the evildoers have, they all share this in common. And if you go from Hollywood to DC, to the Mexican drug cartels and all the different organized crime syndicates, they all are dabbling in pedophilia or child trafficking. And I say dabbling, either dabbling or all in. I would say all in. And I'm, I just was sickened by it. This was about six or seven years ago now that I learned about it. And I, I, I'd spent about a decade in the film and television industry after my time in the military and law enforcement. And I thought, man, let's, let's make a hard hitting documentary. Let's, let's expose this. Because in the covert realm, the worst thing that can happen to a secret operation is that it get compromised. The enemy learned that you're in their territory and that you're doing something harmful to them, to their national security or their best interest. And that's what I wanted to create for the child traffickers because I saw that they had the run of the game board. They are operating with near impunity here in the United States. And they're destroying countless children. So how much, how much harm has to happen to children to generate a 38 to $50 billion a year criminal enterprise inside the United States? That's what I, I, I just was, was sickened by it. And I started to talk to agents that were part of the, the recoveries and the raids and the investigations and they said craig this is not like any other crime um it's not like drug running or anything else this has got a dark element to it that's spiritual these some of these sickos are into cults ancient cults and they believe that torturing children is what they're supposed to do and you know and they usually eventually kill the children and i just thought what a sick aspect of our culture and to learn that it was that big, 38 to $50 billion a year. So if that, if the, if it's up closer to 50 billion, that makes it larger than all pro sports combined in annual revenue. And just pick one of those sports, uh, pick major league baseball. That's a pretty big industry. It's pretty, pretty big uh, revenue stream NFL. I mean, all the other sports, it's just staggering to contemplate the scale of what's going on. And so I thought, expose it. That's what we need to do. So I, I got together um, what I needed to. I founded a, an organization so I could rally the money to film Contraland, the documentary that, that we made and aired last year that exposed the whole thing. 
So it really started our organization going and now it's blowing up. We've got more joint operations with federal and local law enforcement arresting child predators and more uh, exposure pieces coming together, documentaries and, and series coming. And uh, we just have to, we have to shine the light on it. If it's a big secret and, we're, and you and I are not allowed to know, uh, well, that, where does that leave us and where does that leave the children? And so I'm, I'm fighting this for all I'm, I'm worth, you know, and the SEAL teams, even at SEAL Team 6, they didn't teach us about this type of conflict and warfare. And it is a war. It's just a war between good and evil. And people have to choose sides on this one because there's only one side to be on. And um, that, I'm having to learn to fight a, di a completely different way. So that's, that's kind of what's going on in my world right now. And it's, it's been bizarre. It's been a wild, it hasn't been boring. It's been a wild experience. And so many people that get it, you know, big uh, legends in our national security space that are friends of mine, generals, admirals that are on our board, um, you know, spiritual leaders and pastors, they, they're like, hey, go get them. What you're doing is, is perfect. It just keep crushing it and, and never stop. And, uh, and, but boy, as soon as we started arresting child predators, all the vicious trolling campaign and, and smear, you know, um, of my I, I name was, and who I am, you know. It, I was going to ask you that if you've uh, gotten resistance to it, because it is weird when you're doing something like that and you get resistance to it. It's like, yeah. Uh, do you not care about kids? Like what's going on with you? Yeah. We, we, you know, I didn't know what the resistance would look like when we started, I just knew that it would come, that it was, it was gift with purchase. I mean, it was coming with the territory and what it ended up being is these creeps and weirdos that just make up a completely alternate life uh, for you and say, that's the life you've really lived. You're not like, I was never really in the military or never, you know, my, um, like my, my life that's, I was surrounded by thousands of people my whole life from the time I was a little boy. Cause my dad ran a big church and, you know, a lot of the people on my social media accounts have known me since I was a little pipsqueak, you know? And, uh, so it's not like I haven't been surrounded by hundreds or even thousands of people in every uh, step of my life and uh, that know who I am. But these weirdos want to paint a different picture. You used to work for Hillary or you're a space alien or you're a CIA MK ultra mind control wizard. I'm like, is anybody buying that? But, you know, um, I don't know if it's a troll bot campaign or whatever it is, but I'll have people occasionally go, oh, I learned you're evil on my social media <laughs> accounts. I'm like, yeah, okay. We're still arresting predators and we're still convicting them and we're still putting them in prison, whether you folks like it or not. So uh, get over it. Yeah, and, well, It's fun to just rack up the wins again and again and again and have the haters uh, just sit back and fall on their own swords. You know, we just sued one of them, by the way. He's like, sue me, sue me. Craig Sawyer is a satanic pedophile protector. I dare you to sue me. We're like, bam, okay, there you go. We just sued you, now what? He ran and hid. <laughs> like, well, you, you, you swore that you, you knew who I was. I was some horrible person. Well, now let's take it to a court of law. And uh, I, was, I was fortunate that I was allowed to, um, participate in three other guys that were suing him, uh, their lawsuit, because he was coming after me uh, just as boldly, if not more than them. And uh, long story short, uh, 
when, by the time the gavel dropped on that one, all the evidence had been shown and the, the judgment was against Daniel John Lee for $4.65 million in damages for defamation nice. with malice. And 1.1 yeah. million of that is in punitive damages, which means it's stapled to his forehead, figuratively speaking, <laughs> which means he can't for life. He can't bankrupt himself. He can't run and hide from that one. Uh, he owes that. So he's in contempt of court until he pays it. So, wow. you know what, so play forever. around, you, you know, play silly games, you win silly prizes, right? Well, yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, you know, you said $50 billion in revenue a year. I would assume not, you know, not knowing the kind of opposition that you were going to face $50 billion, there's going to be some opposition because somebody's going to be losing a lot of money on, on their program. Uh, how, how far up does that go? I, I'm not necessarily asking for any names, but how far up has this gone that you've been able to dig out? Well, we, it, to me, it seems like it goes all the way to the very highest levels. And I think that a lot, that's, I think it's more prevalent in the elite round than it is in the poor sector. Sure. Now there's certainly plenty of child abuse at every level. There's uh, gutter pedophiles that have next to nothing. And uh, we've seen we've seen gang units running children out of uh, cracked out motel rooms in California, you know, like run down Motel 8s or whatever. And um, that's very seedy and gross and grimy. But, you know, it's with, look at Epstein and, and Ghislaine Maxwell. And, Where I was looking at, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, they're... they're clientele were the global elite and don't think that that's only that's the only entertainers of the global elite that that do that right that's just one couple out of god only knows how many and harvey weinstein in hollywood you know, a glimpse you know all this keeps getting glossed over and brushed under the yep. rug and censored if you post about this and you and you expose it on social media it gets it gets deleted or you get banned so they've they've bought out everybody and so um, Dr. Shiva has exposed that, that the corrupt cabal within the U.S. government is laundering censorship through big tech. Oh, and yeah. First, he, he said through Twitter. And I said, no, um, it's not just Twitter. And he's like, well, I'm dealing with Twitter. And that's, uh, you know, um, that's that, that was his focus. But uh, I was adamant that, no, I've already been out there dealing with all the others. I see that they're all uh, censoring the truth for the, the corrupt cabal. And yeah, so, and what, that's what we call the uh, the parasite class because they're at the top. They're detached from the pyramid. They're they're untouchable almost. So what you're doing is kind of encouraging, trying to go after the the big fish, you know. But how how much success have you had with that? I know you talked a little bit about that, but how how much do you have a head count of like how many you put behind bars or? We've got twenty three now. I count my, my daughter's case because without us, he wouldn't have gotten put away, and without our our family's commitment to it, our daughter's will to fight back and make sure he gets put away. And my offer to the detectives to modify the perpetrator uh, to my satisfaction before I delivered him uh, to the courthouse. And they didn't reckon they wanted that. So they um, they changed their timing on how, how long they thought it would take to get him, which I appreciated. And so they, they, uh, uh, they apprehended him um, hastily, which uh, I was grateful for. And it all nice. worked out. So anyway, yeah, 23, 100% conviction rate. So damn. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are the sentences for these people when they actually uh, get convicted? Because I feel like child (coughs) predators are consistently being put away for significantly less time than they deserve. The small fish. The small fish are put away for like five years. No, or, I mean, sometimes it's six months. I mean, yeah, it's very it's low. It's ridiculous. But then the, the top fish are, it's like nothing. They, they either don't get caught or they just get suicided in prison like yeah. Epstein, which I don't think he's actually dead, but that's a different topic. What have you seen, though? What are the... We've seen a, a wide range of it. It depends on... So we start with the, the district attorney. And if the DA has the heart and the, the ethical uh, fortitude to, to prosecute child sex crimes, we can go to work there. And in so many places, they can't, they won't, they won't uh, prosecute child sex crimes because their, their careers, their campaigns were funded by George Soros. And Soros will only fund their campaigns if they make a deal not to prosecute child sex crimes. And that sounds like a bizarre accusation, but I cannot talk, I cannot count the number of people that I've talked to that that have done the research I mean no offense but that actually does not surprise me at all yeah sounds a little bit like a conspiracy to me Craig well (laughs) they did did conspire to commit that crime and it is a crime of corruption Ooh, I like that and uh, our our system does not work properly so no children are, are not being protected because the system has been corrupted so we start with the DA's and, and work backwards from there. If you got a DA that'll drop the hammer, then okay, you give them a strong case and, and they'll prosecute it. But if if you don't find a DA first, it, it doesn't matter how strong the evidence is or the case. It once it gets to the DA, the DA will will, will uh, dismiss it, and that's what that's why Soros went to that um, level and the state attorney generals. He, he's bought up a lot of state AGs as well. So very destructive. We cannot sustain that level of corruption. That's that's tearing apart our country, and the children and everybody else deserve a lot better justice and enforcement than we're getting right now. I just talked to a um, a very major judge today, and she was she was one that um, dares to hold a straight line, and she's doing great things. And there's a lot that we can do together in the future on on multiple initiatives. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is, is I'd rather prevent a young boy or girl from being traumatized than rescue them from it after the fact. Either right. way is a rescue. It's a prevention. And education is a way that to really, really prevent that. So yeah, Contraland or documentary is, is educational in its nature. That's the whole intent of it. But We've got athletes and coaches in uh, programs where we just saw a thing blow out with the Olympic committee and the, uh, um, the gymnast, the Olympic gym, gymnast uh, testifying very compelling, very passionately about what they had been put through. And that should never have been allowed to happen, oh, them being molested. Um, and the parents you know, the, the parents have some responsibility too. the parents can't be just releasing their daughter to, to, to go on trips overseas and be locked in the rooms with doctors they don't know and all these sorts of things. So I think there's a lot that can be done by training the coaches and the trainers 
and the athletes and the parents. And then same thing with uh, other industries, the travel industry, the hospitality industry, I mean, scouting, so many things. I think uh, if you're going to have access to children, you should, there should be background checks. There should be training and education on, on, on all sides. Everybody that's involved in that, that youth access have to be trained on, on what never to allow hap to happen and how to report and spot something that's wrong. Um, all of that needs to be known so that our culture counters what Alfred Kinsey started back in the 40s and 50s, which was the, this whole normalization of child rape. Kinsey was a sick, sadomasochistic pedophile. He was a child rapist. And he wanted very desperately to normalize it and cause his perversion to be standard. And that's what most perverts want. They want for whatever sickness they have to be called somehow normal and good. That's human nature. But we can't, we can't allow it to be called normal and good, especially in this case, because the children's brain isn't fully developed and they don't have the capacity to advocate for themselves against a full-grown predatory adult. It can never be normalized. Raping a child, molesting a child can never be normalized. We can well, never allow it. And we've started seeing that last year. There were things going around on Facebook last year where it was saying pedophilia is just another sexual orientation. And I remember there being for the pervert. Yeah. Yeah. For the pervert. And it was it was this outcry that I well, at least, you know, on the people that I was typically following or in the small, it, it didn't really get blurted out, except for I think one time that I really saw a, a uh, one of those generated uh, posts where it says, uh, you know, pedophilia is nothing more than another sexual orientation. And it didn't say anything about normalize it. That was the only thing that I saw. But I remember the outcry that I remember seeing from that post. And I, my first thought was, I was like, the balls for the person to actually post that, because I think the majority of people much, uh, the majority of people, regardless of whether you have children, feel very strongly i mean it's been a known thing for a long time that child rapists and molesters and abusers do not fare well in prison for the most part even amongst other criminals and uh I, when i as soon as i started seeing that last year my first thought was i was like holy shit are they really trying to normalize this because if they do we're headed for some fucking dark times on that front well, well yeah they, that, that the answer is they absolutely are trying to normalize it the NAMBLA ahead, thing. Yeah. No, I was going to say that NAMBLA, I think it's called NAMBLA, the National Man-Boy Love something. That's oh, a fucking shit. thing. That's, that's I knew someone. There. I knew someone who I went to school with who was recruited by them, and they would get oh, all dressed up in military gear and go out. He was very, very screwed up. I think he had autism also. That's just my uh, perspective. He was very strange, but he said that he was in NAMBLA and that it was super normal, and he totally tried to normalize it. It was just some kid who was in a bunch of my classes in college, and we just talked outside sometimes and I was like, what's NAMBLA? And I looked it up one day and I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, okay. you, have the, you have the overt NAMBLA thing, but then what do you think about, have you set your sights on like Hollywood more? Cause that's more of a covert child sex trafficking ring. Like, well, especially there, in the film industry, some, yeah. There's so now, many let like, me, you know, let me talk on NAMBLA before we move on to Hollywood. Okay. Cause it's another okay, worthy it. topic for sure. <laughs> uh, Bob Hamer is on our board. Um, he is a friend of mine and he's a hero of mine. He was a Marine, he's a Christian, heterosexual, married. Uh, he was in the FBI. He used to do hardcore uh, a drug dealer and arms dealer uh, 
undercover gigs and stuff like that for the bureau. When they told him, they said, we, we want you to go inside of NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association pedophile group. And he's Jesus like, Christ. guys, no, like, you know, I, I, I don't want that gig. And they said, no, we, we, we need you to do it, Bob. So now he, he ended just, up, he was, he's just worried about it just screwing with you as most people. Yeah. And, would. and, you know, I've, I've talked to other senior agents from other agencies that have, that have dealt with child trafficking. And, um, well, I could say now, I won't say his name, but one of the guys from customs, uh, and he used to run, run a bunch of drug stuff out of Miami and, and, and those places. Well, he said, Craig, you tell Bob, um, he's got my full respect because one day he goes, I was asked by my agency to go undercover and, and that realm, not the NAMBLA group, but, but right. in pedophilia, he goes, I couldn't do it, man. And a lot of guys, man, especially if they've got kids, uh, you have to be a good actor to go undercover and fathers, uh, when it, when it comes to somebody molesting their, their children are not usually good actors. It's very no. difficult to do, but Hamer did. He went under, he, they, they told him they needed him to do it. His country needed him. He went undercover. Not so, not only did he go undercover, but he wrote for their magazine. That's how far he got into the role to, to convince them that he was one of them. And ultimately he took down eight of their senior members convicted and put away in prison, eight of the senior NAMBLA DC. pedophiles and child rapists. Wow. That's a hero because there's a guy that can't come back to the locker room and go, geez, guys, you wouldn't believe what I had to say today, you know, to my, to my fellow NAMBLA members, you know, turn my stomach. It, nobody wanted to hear it. No, uh, he didn't have anybody to to like release that on. He had to eat it. He basically had to Ugh. just swallow that disgust and just live his life. And and you know, only through writing the reports and testifying in, in court of law, what did he enjoy any sort of outlet? So look, Bob Hamer, folks, we're looking for heroes these days. There's one. There's one. And little Dr. Judith Reisman, maybe five foot tall. She just passed away after she. Well, I won't, I won't say it for respect to the family, uh, but she was perfectly healthy. And then uh, next thing I know, she, she'd suddenly passed away earlier this year. Broke my heart, man. She was on our board as well, but she had spent 50 years dogging Alfred Kinsey, exposing. She'd done deep dive uh, um, investigations and university studies on his science fraud. And she exposed him for what he was. And uh, the mainstream media attacked her relentlessly and she didn't care. Her love for the children was greater. So these kinds of heroes, um, they're, they're now friends of mine. I'm blessed to know them, have them on our board and call them friends and learn from them. So man, it doesn't take a big macho Navy SEAL. It doesn't take um, any amount of money necessarily or anything else to stand up and speak your voice and be a champion for children and it's it's a heroic act to sacrifice of yourself to stand up for somebody that's that's in dire need and uh you know there are examples out there and i'm i'm just grateful to know some of them and share a couple of those with you here yeah absolutely i feel like it's on the basic level it's very odd that it would be 
just glazed over that anyone could look at that or Nambla that he would have to go undercover so far to go that deep and then expose them. I mean, I, I feel like it would take one time of seeing some sort of assault on a child and then the FBI rushes in and arrests everybody just for participating or standing back and not doing something about the crime. So it's interesting that they have to really get so much evidence to expose these people and put them yeah. away. You got to build think, the case, yeah. man. The evidence has to be overwhelming because if it's just a slight infraction, like we've already mentioned earlier, it's just a slap on the wrist and uh, three to get six put months and they're all, out. They just, yeah. Even if they get put away at all, you know, maybe maybe they'll just get uh, you know probation or something like that. But um, no, you you got to get in, you got to capture the evidence, and you've got to you got to present it and, and convince the judge and jury that uh, you know these are the facts and uh, these people are danger to society. So I do have a I do have a question for you before we move on to the Hollywood topic. Uh, when it comes to that gentleman and some of the other people that you mentioned, yourself included. Uh, is there almost like a constant precaution uh, considering how big this industry is, how high it goes? Is there almost constant precautions to your guys's own safety and the safety of your families uh, as a result of your work and media exposure? Well, I mean, yes and no. Yes. We take basic precautions. Most of the guys that I've got involved in my team, they're either, dev crew or delta operators Just or guys that, that have, next <laughs> that have i mean god help anybody that that they catch <laughs> yep. on on the net or they catch on remote cameras or sensors oh. or any of the other ways that we monitor things uh sniffing around uh i mean um it, it'd be a problem so i mean yeah it, anybody can can be gotten to anybody can be killed sure. but there are some people that it, man, if you make one little mistake, it's going to, it's going to buy, it's going to blow up in your face. You're going to end up in a nightmare. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're deadly killers, but we're, you know, we live peaceful lives because that's the, what, what we believe in, you know, I'm, yeah, a, I'm I love children and I want them safe. And, um, you know, but, but if somebody's going to come for my family, then the, there's no rules and you're going to drop the hammer jungle yeah. rules on them and that's that's a realm that they're probably not used to so that's when craig um, sawyer turns into the saw man correct yeah yeah it's like flipping a switch it, it's instant because look living in war zones for years and years and traveling to 60 countries around the world I, I you know i've probably slept in safe houses as much as i've slept in my own bed here uh, yeah. over the years so you, know, you said those, you were on dev guru right yeah so millions of dollars of training and a lot of combat experience and numerous different conflicts around the world and you, you learn stuff you know you go to school oh, yeah. after school after school a lot of the spook schools you know i've been through a lot of those kinds of things and um there's just there's a lot of skill there and and uh at the end of the day i i just have faith in god i have faith that just as a as a veteran and a father who wants to to combat and stop this this industrial scale rape and torture of children that I'm doing the right thing. And I kind of don't care what happens to me in that sure. role. I'm going to fight against it and I'm going to expose it because it's not okay for me to turn away. I, I can't, I can't bear the thought of, of being an, yet another person that says, uh, that's too difficult. I'm just going to let them do whatever they want to children. Like any of you guys sitting here right now, 
if you saw somebody raping a small boy on the sidewalk across the street from you, could you just go, oh, well, how unfortunate for that little boy. He's screaming his little head off. He sounds miserable and it's probably going to wreck his brain and his life, but I, it's not my problem. I mean, is there any of you that would just walk away and listen no to him way. scream? That's why well, I don't understand I why it's what if, not, hold it's on, not hold on. more of But a, what oh, if God. someone held a sheet up? You can still hear him scream, but you can't see him. Does that change it? <laughs> No. no. Okay. No, what yeah. if he's what if he's in another city? You know it's no, there. No, it doesn't. Can you look away? No, I, I can't. No. So that's that's the deal. Once you know that this this harm is that wide a scale, and that it's that dark and abusive, and you know, we're talking about people taking blowtorches to children, boiling them alive, or dismembering them, and organ harvesting, and having rituals when you're taking a diaper off of an infant to rape it, something is very, very wrong there. That's an evil that has no place in our society. It's not just another perversion. It's not just sexual. What about the kid? The kid right. doesn't get a say. Yeah. So that's why this can't be like any of the other perversions. People, hey, whatever sickness or weirdness people want to get into, two consenting adults, even if they tear each other to pieces, I kind of don't care because there's no victim there that's, that's, that doesn't have a say. They're willing participants, right? Yep. A child can't advocate for themselves because they don't know how to, how to fight against a full-grown predatory adult. Their, their little brains don't even have that capability yet. So we have to stand up for them and we must, and we, we will. So, yeah, I, you know, there, there's multiple sides to the, to the conflict um, aspect of it, uh, personal security. Yeah, we've uh, got help anybody that get caught, you know, poking around or on their way in or, or a failed attempt. But at the same time, where am I going? Uh, I believe I'm going to heaven and uh, I'm okay with that. I've lived a long life and I've done everything I wanted to do and, and a whole lot more. You know, I've been, I've been in rock and roll bands as a drummer. I've raced motocross and won championships. I was SEAL Team 6. I've done, I made a TV series with Arlie Ermey Gunny from the Full Metal oh, Jacket movie. Huge uh, fan. I mean, there's just so many things that I accomplished and I've seen my kids do great things and uh, you know, married a fantastic wife, beautiful, and we just laugh each other to sleep a lot of the time. And, you know, life has been full and rich for me, and I, I don't want to turn away from evil. And uh, it's a decision that I feel like, I feel like not because I'm special, but because God put that on my heart um, and, and revealed to me that it was the area that just this, that I had grown up, uh, there's a street called 1960 uh, North side of Houston that a lot of my friends lived on a lot of businesses that I worked on growing up and that area has as of about six years ago was the hottest epicenter of child sex trafficking in the United States and I, I thought man how dare that come here to downtown USA to my hometown because we're, so, we're so against that there and uh, it just felt very personal and then when I learned that it was a spiritual thing and how hateful and abusive that they believe that they are to the, 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 the rapists, the people that are torturing the children, abusing them in these ancient cults. They believe that defiling God's most precious and innocent, perverting them, wrecking their brains 
shattering their minds with traumatic, uh, you know, a lot of trauma and terrorizing the child over and over again and just ruining the future and the, the life's uh, path of that child. They believe that that's what their ancient demonic gods give them special privileges for doing. I'm like, what a bunch of sick nonsense. What are you idiots into? But that's what they believe. And so they do that to the children as like a sociopathic kind of thing where they lack, they lack empathy. They don't care about the child. And no, so it's, yeah, um, it's, uh, they're you monsters, got, you know, and have, I, I'm not okay with it. Have you got much into like the darker aspects of that? Like, I know that's it's dark enough already, <laughs> but like the, the whole like ancient molecules. How far does it got to like, go, brother? I mean, about, it's, it's all ugly. <clears throat> yeah, the, yeah, the ritualistic ahead. thing and where like the adrenochrome practice comes from and like the sacrificing to Moloch or Baal or whatever. Like, yeah. does that come up at all? Like, have you looked into that? It, it comes up. It comes up. The adrenochrome, the specific thing of adrenochrome, I haven't seen hard evidence. One of our investigators found a an adrenochrome.com website on the dark net. And um, I was going to show that to a reporter. But by the time I, I brought it up to him, it was a it was a month or two later, and that website um, link still existed, but it said that the website was down. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what that was about if the, if there had been an investigation or or, or what. But um, a lot of people, you know, have said that number one, that there is a substance called adrenochrome, but it's not what's being rumored on the, the internet now, where the, it's taken from uh, tortured children, uh, adrenalized blood. I don't know which it really is. It could be either as far as I understand. And number two, it's, it's hard to get into the, the cult groups because they have a, a system of security by where they'll make, let's say, if, if you wanted to go undercover and and work your way into the group and build a case and catch them doing it well they would first make you at the first party or meeting they would make you probably rape a boy and probably that's, on camera be, too oh definitely on camera Blackmail. and and then before you would see something else you would have to do something else and you would have to incriminate yourself so badly on video with full evidence before you started seeing some of the really darker stuff and the, and the, and the outright harm and the torture and all of that. So um, uh, due to that, a lot of people that have, that have tried to research and, and investigate um, at least on the civilian side, you know, a lot of the, the, the federal cases, you know, I'm not privy to anymore, but uh, as a civilian, but as a, um, on, on our side, we, there's there's a lot of conflicting information so look as a federal criminal investigator with my that was my background i did that for five years i go by factual evidence and there is a countless number of cases where children are being raped and sold and abused to the point of death and we're going after those rings and we're going after those rapists and and uh it's trying to expose that and we'll go as high and as far as we can so I I'm personally curious as to what the deal is with the adrenochrome as well. But what I'm not going to do is just start saying it's absolutely this or that. 
right until i can verify that because i think that's what you know if we're going to be the news now if we citizens are going to be the news because we've seen that the mainstream news media is just uh, they lie to us they don't have our best interests at heart they're sold out 100 percent if we're going to become the news we have to we have to learn the discipline of vetting our sources we have to look at someone and say who is that person what's been their life's journey what decisions have they made What's their level of credibility and what's their motive for putting out whatever that bit is, whatever that information that they put out, what's their motive for it? Is yeah. it a conflict of interest? Is it, is it making a money or is it, is it covering their six? What is it? We, we have to learn to where that's part of our discipline is to look at the source, vet the source and assess them as, as far as their level of credibility as an, as an asset or an info source then we, the people uh, being the news can be a lot more effective. Otherwise it's going to be a junkyard of disinformation because you've got lunatics like Holmseth out there saying he's high, I'm the high command. Well, there is no high command. That's a, that's a, a child's, um, that's literally from a cartoon from childhood. I'm part of the pedo- Pentagon pedophile task force. No, you're not. There's never been any Pentagon pedophile task force. The Pentagon's a DOD facility. It's not a law enforcement entity, you lunatics. But these people don't research. They're literally brain dead booger eaters. And they don't research. They don't vet anything. And they'll go with a headline and they'll attack seasoned veterans over a headline from a lunatic and not know what they're talking about. I deal with it every day. So, Which is part of the reason why we wanted you on is because, I mean, your entire history uh, is one, not only very honorable, uh, but was one of the reasons why we wanted to get into this with you in particular, mm, because there is a vetting process uh, where if you're going to get information, and I'm glad that you you know, we're honest about the adrenochrome, you know, you've seen some things that, you know, it's, it's probably there, but we don't know that for sure. That's the kind of real information because I'm not saying it puts your mind at ease, but at least then, you know, from the people that are digging that do have the clearance to be able to get into some of the access that a lot of other people can't get and actually find out that information to a fight that I think a lot of us, a lot of us want to be able to take. And that brings me to a follow-up question is, for a lot of for a lot of the people that they hear these stories or they see the documentaries and they you know they're sitting on their couch with their drinks and they're shaking their head and how awful and this that and the other and I'm guilty of it too what what are some of the things that just the ordinary citizen can do uh, i mean on top of you know standing up like you said for that kid across the street that you hear it from what are some of the other actions that we can take to kind of support this, uh, this, this movement that need, needs and should have been happening for a long time? Yeah, well, one of the things that I would say really is watch our documentary Contraland. We, it okay. took us three years to film it and get it to market. It's a high quality documentary. It's about 90 minutes long. And uh, it's a bit of a gut punch of reality of what's what is really going on it's not gory there's not vile or anything it's just the reality of people seeking out children and what scale it's on and where and, where uh, can we find that contralandmovie.com perfect it's on its own website it's it's also attached to our main org website vetsforchildrescue.org those two websites are very closely connected you, you find one you can get to the other one so awesome okay 
Yeah, so, it's a really, really good educational piece. And then on our website, there's a lot of information, empowering information on how to get involved, how to safeguard your children. Um, and so watch the documentary and share it with the biggest names that you know, the people with the biggest reach and share it with as many people as you can, because it, we need to change the culture. Alfred Kinsey started the normalization of child rape. And if one man can start an avalanche of destruction like that in this nation, then a bunch of us good people can start to counter it and, and heal our culture so that we once again lock arms and say, hey, look, man, leave the children alone. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a bridge too far. You know, Absolutely. go be perverts, do whatever you want to do to each other, but we're not standing for you targeting the children. So when you're talking about looking at evidence, like with the adrenochrome thing, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty far down the rabbit hole. We talk about it because it's, you know, interesting to talk about and theorize and speculate. But what about things like the, uh, with Hollywood, I mean, in particular, and Wayfair, the whole Wayfair thing, or like ordering, you know, cabinets online that are $15,000. Like, have you looked into that at all or how that connects yeah. to Hollywood? Yeah, there's not a lot that I'll say about that right now. I'll, I'll talk about when I first saw the Wayfair thing, what my initial assessment of it is I looked at it and I, I saw a cabinet that may be worth a few hundred dollars and it was, it was tens of thousands of dollars instead. And I thought, okay, I looked around at a few items that were exorbitantly overpriced, ridiculously overpriced that way. And I thought, okay, Either that's a typo or it's some sort of money laundering. I don't know what they're doing, but it's at least money laundering. At least. And yeah. yeah. Right. And then so I started looking into the customer reviews and that's where my hair stood up on the back of my neck because the customer re reviews of a cabinet or a nightstand or a lamp or whatever the items were, because there's quite a few items they were doing this with. For $47,000. Yeah, we're not talking about the item being uh, advertised. I'm like, they're not talking about right. a cabinet here. No. And these were sick and creepy reviews that the clients were very happy with the product. And they were just using language that was that was um, that was utilized in a lot of the recovered emails that WikiLeaks exposed uh, the Clinton, the Clintons Pizza and Gates. all of those. And, and yeah, so a lot of the, the pedophile and the child trafficking language was being utilized in these customer reviews. And furthermore, some very, very, very rare names for children that happened to be uh, famous missing children cases. Yep. Names that I'd never heard of and nobody that, that was networking, studying the, those Wayfair cases early on had ever heard of these names outside of the, 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 the child that had gone missing. They were naming their items after those kids' names. And so mm -hmm. is that proof that there's child trafficking? No, but they're each bits of information that starts to paint a, a clearer picture. It's like pixels on a screen. If you've got 10 pixels on a screen, well, you can't really tell what it is. It's just a bunch of dots. But if you pump out a few hundred thousand pixels, it, it becomes much more clear. A few million pixels, man, that's HD. That's I can see exactly what's going on. Information in Intel is the same way. The more information you have, the clearer understanding right. you have of what's going on there. 
So uh, I was at least concerned enough to uh, have a little uh, have a little closer look, and that's all I'll say on that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I've ne I've never once bought a piece of furniture named after a person. Oh, it's the Alexia cabinet. But we looked you know? it up yeah. as soon as it came out in our community. Right. I started looking up on Wayfair, and I found tons and tons of yep. furniture cabinets couches whatever named just very odd names very rare names and they were thousands and thousands of dollars i didn't read the customer reviews unfortunately well, a but... lot of them were the same picture of the same cabinet but they were named different things but you could find the, the same, same cabinet price. on a different site for like thousands of dollars less it would be yeah. like a you know a thousand dollar cabinet but it was listed at for thirty two thousand on wayfair but listed like the emily but spelled like e-m-y-l-e -E or something you know and it was like a missing person from well another and then it got it got memory hold too because that thing nobody's brought that up since that and that was a, a year ago about right and nobody's brought yeah, that up again and it was it what was terrifying was that if you actually clicked on the spec sheet for the for the cabinet or whatever you know piece of furniture that you were looking for as he mentioned earlier it was very very strange vernacular they would say um very specific things about the kind of handles that were yeah. being put on it the kind of feet the and levelers of the, item, uh, the yeah. descriptions of the item matched what you would think of with furniture but they also didn't at the same time it was almost exactly like what he was talking about with those emails from wikilinks where it's talking about ordering a specific kind of this, that, and the other. 8,000 hot dogs and all 8, this cheese hot on dogs. my pizza. Or yeah, I would like a pizza sauce. with a very specific, yeah, that kind of thing. It was, yeah. if you looked at the product description, it was really creepy. Yeah. So there's a lot to get into, guys. We've we've had to build and rebuild the foundation of this org. We, just in the last two weeks, we've, <laughs> we've had a huge launch forward because if you're going to build something like this, you've got to have the right people involved of and once we've arranged our team to the to the degree that we had we were all confident that everybody involved was solid it's like a cosmic dam broke and things came into place and we've got more going on now and and just a flood than we ever had in this org so it's like the brakes have been released awesome. so we've had we've had uh, a fraud uh, try to come in on the management side of a, of a production and um, an extort and embezzle from the org. We've had you know, trolls and, 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 you know, defamation cases up from the outside. And we've had um, just all kinds of things. We had to fight for a year just to get our, our documentary back from, uh, from that, that, the first fraud that I mentioned. We, then when we got it back, it was just trashed. It was a, it was a skeleton of an organ. I had to go re spend months uh, basically reproducing and editing that with uh, a friend of mine in, in uh, a finishing studio in Burbank. He's very talented editor. Thank God I had him. Um, Jody Eldred, he helped salvage, helped me salvage Contraland and um, and rebuild it and cause it to make sense. So much of the footage and every all the action was gone and um, just really, really damaging. So we're just now getting to the place where we are locking all the pieces into gear for the long term and to start to really throttle up with the budget and, and the operations. So um, awesome. I don't know what this next couple of years is going to bring, but I know it's a lot because, man, the connections and the capability and the technology that we've got now 
have me very, very excited. And uh, that's the kind of the, the energy in our whole team and our allies. We're, we're excited. We're pumped right now. We're like, okay, now we've spent all this time building the foundation, the core of this org, and, and now it's on. It's on. There's no, there's no more uh, anchor in the water. We're, we're up and we're, we're raging forward finally. So, um, you know, it's just a process. You know, you want to save the world, but it, there's, there's a lot to accomplish along the way. You know, when I first started yeah. this, one of the, one guy said, Craig, it's like you decided to go across the ocean and you just started swimming and we're having to build a ship around you. And I said, well, <laughs> I'm going by faith, though. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do and, and I'm, I'm going. So, yeah, maybe it won't be perfect in the beginning, but eventually we'll keep improving and locking the place pieces into place and building a stronger and stronger machine until this war machine is just raging against pedophilia and child trafficking until we do change the culture back to a, a happy and safe one where the children are okay and they could just live their little lives and play and be happy and innocent until adulthood because god knows there's enough heartache and stress and aggravation in adulthood waiting for them let's just get them to 18 man come on that's <laughs> yeah, you have enough let's just shit give to them a with. chance man you know and that's just life <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you should have multiple people coming out of the woodworks to help you out, though, in your organization. So it's very troubling to hear that well, they you have do. so much resistance. But, but here's, you here's should have Hollywood thing. people coming at you, though, telling oh, you that they'll no. support you. No. That's Not what's Hollywood. alarming, though. That's Look, crazy. Got, you know, I, like I said, I spent about a decade in that industry, and uh, um, the. Well, look, um, you, you've seen the stories about the parties with the boys, all the naked boys, boys around the pool. Yeah. That's one example. Yes. Another actor friend of mine told me that, uh, and he's a handsome guy, but he's, he's a, I mean, as a, he's a, he's not effeminate, you know, he's not a pretty guy, but he's, he's a handsome, rugged dude, but he was at a big mansion party and early in his acting career. And there's a big executive upstairs and, one of the producers said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, so-and-so wants to see you. And, and he's like, well, you know, I forget how the conversation went, but he's like, can can he just come down here and party with us? And he's like, no, you, uh, you need to go upstairs and kind of be friendly to him. That's, that's how this industry works. And he's like, you mean like, uh, like, like, and he's like, yeah. So wow. he was like, expected bye. to sleep with this guy in a homosexual way in order to get the part for a big movie and that's how the industry works so and that's, that's harvey weinstein okay. all over again yeah the casting couch um yeah. story is not a, a rarity that's the standard that's the norm right. and i would urge anybody never to let your children out of your sight uh literally don't even let them be on the other side of a door in a meeting uh if you're if you're going to bring your children into the entertainment industry and that's the music industry or any any industry. If your child is going to be any sort of uh, commodity, mamas and daddies got to be there, period. Sorry, it's inconvenient, but your children are going to get raped. And that's how these predators work because predators fight for these positions of unsupervised access to the children. So we know this now. So the culture is waking up to it. Well, I'm sounding the alarm as loud as I can. So let's look after the little ones. Let's put a stop to this because it's, man, talking to so many of this, the, the adults that have been through this, 
they it, it breaks my heart and i'm waiting for the time to where it doesn't feel like a gut punch when they reveal to me that they were a, a victim too and they begin sharing what it was like for them and what it did to them it's terrible and i don't want that and for anybody and i think we can all do something together you know and i to, think to i think for it. the most part i think for the most part your your vehement and vocal stance on that is shared by the good majority of the public i know that uh with the industry being the size that it is this underground ring not so underground anymore uh i i do think that the general populace the the red-blooded americans that are just trying to work and have a family and and do do the do the dream i think that most of them are going to take that stance uh and uh for somebody who has been able to do what you have been able to do and have the contacts and the information available and has to put in the countless hours and work for it from all of us i i would personally like to say thank you for that and the rest of what you have done thank you man that's very kind of you i appreciate that look it's a privilege it's a privilege you know like i said i feel like i'm on bonus time you know i'm 58 and i've, I've when once i live to about 30 or 35 i'm like okay what am i going to do now you know <laughs> well, sh well shit man i googled you and even at 58 with a nice big white beard you're still packing that sniper rifle in front of that dump truck yeah like a mean sob <laughs> yeah i can still shoot man that's that's a skill that just once you relearn to shoot dozens of dozens of times over the years you know i'll lay off for six or eight months never shoot but i'll, I'll come back out of the holster now and i'm it's it's dead center bullseye because i've i've just repeated those those like riding a bike skills you know eventually you don't lose it you know if you if right. you shoot for a while and you don't shoot for two years and you come back to it you're going to be rusty and it's going to it's that's, not going to be great that's us for pretty much our whole life is like well we grew up going out to the ranger you know we go wood cutting with our dad and we, you know we'd shoot stuff or we'd go ground squirrel hunting or whatever and uh we, we all enjoy going out and shooting and and stuff like that but yeah. we don't do it very often and every time we do it's a kind of a novelty because yeah. uh we don't we don't we don't get out to the range all that much especially in california where ammo prices are so freaking ridiculous oh, oh yeah yeah but if you go back and you relearn it three or four more times over the years you know over 20 years you're it's it eventually gets to where you're never going to forget it you're never rusty ever again you just come out yeah. of the holster just on it man because you've taught yourself the, the mechanics and your, your muscle memory your mind remembers you know even my mind as many helmets as i've broken and as many punches as i've stopped with this ugly noggin you know even i can remember <laughs> after after doing it enough you know what i mean so uh, that that brings me to uh, do you have a time limit here because we can go as long or short well as you I, want. mama's got me a, a, a hall pass i can i can hang for a little while so we're, okay we're I, let's <laughs> take I, advantage of it then i had She's irish ask. and cherokee though so she ever says no more i, gotta, I better <laughs> okay if I, if I see her coming in there smacking you with a flip-flop then i know we're done <laughs> but we gotta we gotta ask why you're called the saw man and get as detailed or non-detailed as you want but that's a fucking hardcore name so go yeah. into it does it have anything yeah. to do with the saw like the gun it's uh it look guys that was a really dark op that we don't we don't talk about it's uh it was heinous oh, man we don't you know there was oh, no that's i'm just why kidding I, that's no why. it's just a play on my last i was like name. holy shit is... all right <laughs> my well, last got name me rolling. Sawyer. so it was literally i think now you got me bummed out man it was, it was my <laughs> my best buddy and we were 
in about third grade playing keep away with the football on the playground at school at Lamar Elementary School in the Woodlands. Oh, so dark. Um, and he was like, saw a man hit me long because saw a man, saw a mug, saw a dude. We were always playing with each other's names like that. And so saw a man was one that kind of started um, uh, being more prevalent. And, you know, uh, then I was a 5A uh, defensive captain of our football team there i was a strong side linebacker and the you I, look like I, a meathead. i found that that hitting people <laughs> as hard as i could felt really good and that's where i kind of first started learning that i could make a difference you know uh, on the <laughs> yeah on their and, face <laughs> and i i, I like that adrenaline rush that i got in, in a game where i was just so determined to win i was like ah, i wanted to hit like a truck you know and uh <laughs> So the sawman thing kind of, you know, came out and fit more with that. And then, of course, it stayed with me when I went on in the military and SEAL team was no different. Well, I was going to say most of the time, those call signs, I don't have any military experience, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. Most of the time, those names kind of somehow get resurrected by your team uh, when they find out and they go, oh, that's it. That's what we're calling you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Your teammates will, 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 will w. I've I've nicknamed a lot of people, man. I've just always <laughs> tended to do that. And they. Well, they what's stick. one of your most memorable dubbings? Oh, you know, Stumbles was a guy. Uh, rest his soul. He uh, he. Uh, it's nothing classified about this. I can tell it. We were in Iraq, and uh, he was a former Navy SEAL too. He had a Ducati uh, motorcycle, and uh, he had been a buds instructor and. He was a, he was a good dude, man, but he was new to our detail and, uh, security detail. So, um, I was the regional coordinator, uh, the AIC in a part of Iraq and we were at a big government building and Is outside that the wall. Yeah, it was contract for okay. department of state. Uh, um, and outside the wall was an apartment complex and there was all these balconies and windows. And so he was walking the right side of the diamond you know, with this weapon across him. So it's a little awkward. And he's, he's scanning all of these doors and windows to make sure because he's the guy that's got to catch it if somebody came out of there and started dumping on us. And there was a no parking sign, like a like, almost like it was a thin wire frame sign, like an easel, like you see somebody do an art painting that yeah. three legged tripod easel, but it was wire. And it had a big um diagonal or like a like a, a diamond shape steel sign and it was no parking in arabic and um he bumped into that and lost his balance when he tried to stop and catch it and it turned into this big calamity and he was trying to save it so that it was this big tumble it looked like a carol burnett skit you know with the physical <laughs> comedy and he fell over himself and rolled and everybody in the, in the de detail you know we're all on the earpieces so everybody's just kind of chuckling and going what the <laughs> they're all and, you're uh, a professional <laughs> the guy so the regional coordinator that i was protecting uh i turned to him and i said sir you didn't see that and he said see what saw man i said oh. thank you sir there you go. Yeah, that's, that's how you awesome. do it. And I came over the mic and I said to the guys, new call sign, stumbles. And everybody <laughs> just go like this. <laughs> so that was awesome. it. They, they, they started calling them stumbles from that day on. I, I've done that oh, to no. a lot of guys. I usually, uh, not something derogatory. You know, some units right. have uh, a, a culture where it's it's got to be pretty derogatory. 
that wasn't my nature, but that was one that was, yeah, it was a little derogatory, but that was, it was a, a funny incident and, uh, and it stuck, but he later got uh, blown up down in Basra. We were, um, oh shit. yeah, it was a, it was, it was a bad, bad location, a bad situation. And I, I rotated out and he rotated in. Then several weeks later, he was, uh, and he and some of my other teammates got blasted there. It's a pretty big, uh, and that's how we lost stumbles. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, you it gotta find awful. humor. It in is it, awful. Cause it shouldn't have happened. And I, I don't want to get into right. uh, the management there at that location, but, uh, um, make you, you angry. Know, it, it makes me yeah. angry. And I, I just, yeah. uh, anyway, well, unfortunately, yeah, that kind of thing, that that kind of hierarchy and and issues, like you said, where it shouldn't happen, that that happens a lot in uh, when you're going back to contracting, or if you're in the more of the intelligence sectors, shall we say, of of trying to do some of those ops. I've heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, one one mentor of mine said, uh, "Tell the government go get stuffed if they ever want to um, tell you to be somebody you're not." You know, in other words, undercover ops, he goes, his, right. his thing was, yeah, once you get to that point, you don't have any diplomatic uh, cover or support from the nation. Right. You, you tell them to go get stuffed. And, uh, um, anyway, huh. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's different levels to work at and everything's a decision, you know, you weigh it out, pros and cons to everything. Yeah. Dude. At least it's a decision. I mean, at, at least you have that option because I, I think there's a lot of mismanagement people in general are just considered casualties they just want to get the job done i think at yeah. the very highest levels they don't really care who dies and it's oh, very no. unfortunate definitely it's not. very sad that's why i'm very grateful i don't have many friends or family in the military honestly i i'm very proud of the people who do choose to do that but you're just putting your life out there to be managed by whoever and they definitely don't i think maybe at the lower levels or just you know even the generals sergeants they probably do care about their people but the very highest levels i'm not so sure they care i no, think no, you're no. right i think you're right they they're too detached from it and that's right. not healthy mm -hmm. i had a great chat about that with uh chris kyle you know, American snipers. Oh yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, I was yeah. going to ask about that because when I heard, you know, what team you were on, I was going to ask what, if there was any kind of a correlation between uh service time there. No, he, he was at seal team three, which was right next to seal team one. Um, but by the time Chris came in, I was already out at dev and I didn't meet Chris until um, a couple, I think it was about 10 days before he got murdered. Great and, dude. Uh, I heard he had, he had known about me and he had some very, uh, humbling things to say about me to my wife and uh, when we met and he was seemed to be excited about it we shared a common author that uh, had been one of the authors on, on Chris's book and he was going to write my book and um, he said that uh, the author said that Chris was excited to meet me and he texted him and let him know hey I got to meet Sawman and um, oh, that's it was cool. good one thing I'll say about Chris you know he put in so much good work yeah with the marines you know as a navy seal and that's he was in a target rich environment and he just uh dropped the hammer when it needed to be done and it was a lot of hard work and um he was much more humble than most navy seals most navy seals will never give you a compliment uh ever and he was very respectful and very complimentary when i met him and i, I just was kind of stunned at that i thought man i i had even more respect for him uh the way that he introduced himself and humbled himself and he, he 
he basically, well, he said to my wife, he goes, Sawman is up here and I'm just down here. And you're and to you, the way he put it. I was like, you know. <laughs> "What are you talking about, brother? You put in so much great work. You're freaking yeah. legend at it." But what he's literally the legend. Is, <laughs> what he's talking about is Dev Groove right. versus his. But it, I don't think that applied because he had, he had put in so much work and and, and accomplished so much that uh, I mean, everybody that knows what he's done respects him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he tragic loss. Out, he took out the Devil of Ramada. He you know 168 confirmed kills that. That guy, and not not to mention that all of the philanthropy, the book writing, exposure, everything that he tried to do to shed some light outside of that. I even saw several of the interviews that he did where they, you know, they tried to make him out to be this, you know, killing monster. And uh, he was so soft spoken and just to the point. I, I remember him saying, you know, I don't need to kill anybody for the rest of my life to be happy. I'm a much better father and husband than I ever was a Navy SEAL. And yeah. for for somebody of that caliber to say something like that 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 knocks you down a peg i don't i don't i don't care who you are to hear some, somebody of that caliber saying yeah. something that humble it's just yeah man we had agreed to, to be friends and and um do some work together and it was um something that i look forward to so yeah about 10 yeah. days later he was he was gone damn yeah very disappointing i do have a question for you kind of switching gears here away yeah. from that um tactical insider I thought that was very uh, interesting, kind of bringing some uh, real realism and realisticness to uh, Hollywood movies on training and whatnot. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. How did you get started in it? And what was that experience like? All right. So imagine being on a climbing trip, a lead climbing trips. We're, we're rock climbing. Okay. Because the SEALs, we, we have to train at a lot of different things. And uh, we hire world-class trainers to train us at the, you know, whoever the best is, a lot of times we'll hire them to, to train us. So sure. Uh, Bob Gaines was someone that, and Scott Cosgrove, Scott Cosgrove has since taken a, uh, a massive fall on a movie set up in San Francisco and it busted him up to where he eventually uh, passed away. But uh, Scott and I had become really good friends in, in recent years, but Bob Gaines was a guy that used to rig up the, the high fall decelerator cable rigs of, uh, for the big movie stunts. He taught Stallone to climb for the movie Cliffhanger. Oh, wow. And all kinds of stuff. So in the climbing realm, uh, Bob Gaines was, was the big name as far as rigging and safety and, and uh, climbing technique and teaching and all that. And so we were learning from them. And uh, I, I told Bob, I said, hey, some of my friends from high school have gone out in Hollywood being, you know, cameraman and different things like that. And he, yeah. he said, Craig, you'd be a great technical advisor. And I'm like, what do they do? He goes, well, <laughs> and if, you know, if anybody's going to teach them how to shoot and move and fight, it should be you. Because, I mean, you just eat, live and breathe this stuff, man. And it just comes out of you and uh, you'd, you'd make them better actors and you would make the movies better for it and i said man that sounds fun of course i was at seal team six at the time and i was gone about 300 days a year so i had no time for anything let wow. alone any sort of you know ambition for doing anything else so i didn't even think about it but uh that's when he the first thought uh, entered my mind he's like man that 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 you'd be great at that and i thought well how fun to just teach people how to not blow it in their part in their role how to just really do it the way that we do it and so that it comes across 
you know authentic to the audience like yeah they're not yeah. they're not taken out of the story by something that's clearly wrong and they're able to stay in the film and be lost in this the story and just wow and, and not realize it's over until they see the credits you know and so um, and we've all we've all seen those movies we've all seen yeah. those movies especially if you grew up with guns or you've you have any friends that have done anything with them. It's like you'll watch some parts in movies and you see it and you just kind of cringe and go, oh, yeah. that was so fake. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, maybe I could make a contribution doing that. So once I started doing some stuff um, and, and people were asking me to be a part of some things out in Hollywood, I, I was like, let me start Tactical Insider and start contributing and helping. Sure. And uh I talked to the two biggest tech advisors out there. One was a Marine, one was a Navy SEAL. And they'd been in a lot of movies and they tech advise all the biggest movies. And, um, you know, Dale Dye was on the Marine Corps side. He's like, Solomon, you bring it. You've got a lot to bring to the industry. He goes, but, you know, frankly, it would be through uh, Harry, Harry Humphreys on the SEAL side. So I uh, um, started talking to Harry and I met him and, and train uh, Zoe Saldana for her movie Columbiana. Oh, yeah. And, um, but without going into it, it just, um, I think there were some people surrounding Harry and uh, that he, it wasn't the right time after all. He had, he had, he and I had sat and had lunch together and he had agreed that I was going to, he was going to retire and he was going to hand his business over to me and I was going to run it and still um, honor him and uh, share a percentage of it with him. And uh, anyway, that that got changed and uh, it never came about. I'm glad that it didn't because um, the path that I've been on now is one that I'm far more proud of than I could have ever been as a, just a Hollywood tech advisor. So Tactical sure, Insider sure. was was founded to, to do that. And then uh, what I learned is that the actors would find me individually and say, hey, I got a big tactical role coming up, train me for it. And so I would right. just do that um, for them. And there've been some big A-list names and there's been uh, a couple of others and I don't do it often. It's just comes up occasionally. And so we'll, Side take, gig. we'll take a couple of days or a week and rent out a facility and just go, go at it and uh, really tune them up. So I, I do enjoy that. Um, but then I got, you know, I got more busy with, Rhino Wars and Top Shot and um, Gunny Time with Arlie Ermey and uh, just just fantastic fun. I, I enjoyed making you know pro American style entertainment that that the American patriots like right. and enjoy you know and uh, empower people rather than so much of the poison stuff that is all about the perversion and the destruction right. of the culture and the society and all of the, the or how just evil the weird that AR fifteen is. <laughs> yeah yeah i like i like making po positive stuff that that teaches people and empowers them so uh I've how, how was that. how was working with arlie army uh you know obviously rest in peace yeah when i i remember watching a lot of uh i, I think it was locked and loaded if i'm not mistaken was the yeah, show that he did yeah, yeah I, I we well i watched seasons and seasons of that probably 10 12 years ago with one of my roommates and i remember loving it and then of course uh, I hadn't seen Full Metal Jacket, even though it was a, technically at the time, everybody was like, oh, that's a classic. You need to watch it. I finally watched it and uh, kind of, you know, did some digging on him and, and kind of found out his history and whatnot. And dude, what a what a cool, just righteous dude that guy was. How was yeah. working with that guy? It was a hoot. I loved <laughs> him. 
And his manager told me after he passed away, he said, he, he loved you, Craig. And I thought, Oh, oh. Man. Um, right. So here. <laughs> it was cool. Arlie apparently wanted me to host his show. He wanted me to take over by season four. And mm. uh, I was just blown away. Um, wow. I, I, but what I told his manager, is, I said, look, I'm humble. That's, that's a, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. That's, that's, huge honor but think of it and now here's gunny time with some other dude it could never work i told that's how i told him i said with some other guy it, it can't work he's too much of a unique national icon yeah you, he is. if you call it something else you know gunny's whatever show or whatever you can attach him to it and have him come on as a guest often and peel a piece, huge chunk of it off to him. I'm great with any way you want to do it. But if you call it gunny time, right? It can't nobody, I don't care who they are, could could fulfill that his boots, man. So and that was my counsel to them. That was my advice. And they did ended up what they did, I thought was actually smart. They ended up rotating uh public figures each week. They would have a different host. Oh, that's the show. Cool. And I thought that was that was a good way to do that. So he he always seemed like he he was just because he seemed like he was always just himself. He was always in that character, no matter what you saw him on. That was just him. That was just how he was. Yeah, he seems like that. He's he's a lot kinder than I thought. Um, he he is always that hard marine because that's been his whole right life. So that is genuine and that's to the bone. Um, but he's when I was, he, one of the things he told me, he had a camper, a pickup truck with a big camper on the back. He's like, yeah, saw you come into my camper anytime. And when you're on set, my camper is your camper. You just, you don't even knock or anything. You just come right on in. And uh, we're buddies now. And I'm like, wow, man. And so we were walking into his camp camper once and uh, to set it up, I, you know, so many people, if you ever went to shot show or anywhere else and saw R. Lee, he's surrounded Oh, yeah. by a mob of people like a major major rock star would be and at shot show there's a line probably 50 to 100 yards long and three oh, people wow. wide all day every day for the entire show and so many people have told me oh yeah he stays late he's he stays through lunch he hardly ever takes a break because he just gets down on a knee with the little you know the kids or with whomever and he's just that giving and um so what I told him, you know, after I was getting comfortable with him, I said, you know what, Gunny, I've met, I know a lot of famous people now, I've met a lot of people, and you never quite know what they really are like. And I said, but I didn't know that you were going to be as kind hearted to people as you are. He's like, well, you know, Saw, I figure it doesn't cost us any extra to be decent to people. And I said, Gunny, I feel the same exact way. And I think that's why I respect you so much. So um that's just we bonded man it was it was cool to answer your question what was it like it was a hoot and all my friends friends are like dude you, you look like a, a dental commercial because you're like <laughs> the whole, the whole time, time you're, you're on camera about with them, i'm like that's genuine i'm just I, I can't believe i'm making a tv show with just Johnny. so stoked because <laughs> i'd seen him several times before you know in an elevator i saw him at the marine corps league in vegas and there was like 10 people deep, the Marines, you, you can't get past the Marines to get a hand in and shake Gunny's hand. It's just, it just, hi, sir, you know, 
I saw him on the range in Vegas once out at shot show. And I was like, ah, um, he's just, he's just unapproachable because he's so mobbed by people. So well, I don't think, to I don't choose think me the, and, and uh, be buddies was just a, an honor. And I don't think the numbers will ever come in to the amount of kids that joined the Marines because they watched full metal jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And his, his portrayal, I actually, it's funny too, because I didn't, I didn't even know that you knew that, that you knew him. And I just got done showing my girlfriend the iconic uh, barrack scene from the beginning of Full Metal Jacket. She had never seen it before. And I showed her all of the, the big, long string that he does right at the beginning of it. And of course, we laughed her asses off. And uh, she was like, she asked a few questions about him. I said, you know, well, he's passed on now. But uh, that is probably... That that scene that he did at the beginning of that movie set the precedence for what boot camp portrayal was in movies forever after that, especially Iconic. Marine Corps. He told me the story sitting in his custody. He's got a really cool custom Jeep and it was sitting on set and it was um, it was the first episode that that I was filming with him of Gunny Time. He told me that story. So it's just me and him and his and his Jeep the first time we were alone together. And, and uh, he had just given me his coin over coffee uh, earlier that morning his challenge coin and oh uh, wow what an honor yeah and so he was he was talking to me about you know that and uh he goes you know what he goes i a lot of people don't know he goes but i targeted that role i, I wanted that role hmm. i was hired as the the technical advisor he goes but whenever i trained the actors he goes i got completely suited up with my smoky the bear hat and everything he goes i trained them the way I trained Marines and I, I was their drill instructor and they were my Marines. So I, I made sure right. that it was run that way. And they related to me that way. And I trained them. I marched them. I drilled them. And so he said, by the time the actor was, was in the squad bay scene and they had me go in there and, um, rest and, and like help him out on, on a scene where he was stumbling or they needed some extra advice. Mm -hmm. He goes, I got right in my in their faces and I started uh, addressing them and they responded to me as their drill instructor, he said, because I already was. <laughs> right, right. He's like, sir, Man. I'll stop stumbling, sir. I'm sorry. So, so he took that role and he did it. That's it was awesome. calculated. Now the actor that wanted that that was supposed to be that uh got the role of the the, the door gunner. Remember the scene where it's easy. You just don't lead him as much. That guy. Yes. That's the yeah, guy. Get that some, get some the drill instructor. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. So Arlie said, Craig, he goes, I, I, I realized uh, it was a loss for him not to have that role. He goes, but really it, it needed to be me. And I said, America agrees, Gunny. And he goes, absolutely. So he goes, but there are two roles that I got the guy after that. Uh, so to kind of ease the pain, and he goes, they were big roles and he made a lot of money. And uh, he goes, I, I'm not out to just screw somebody, but I wanted that role. And he said, I, you know, I, I gave him a couple things after that uh, to kind of make up for it. I thought that was pretty cool. That That's is awesome. really cool. That is really cool. Well, so, we, yeah, Arlie, Irving, we can close man. out here, Legends. but I, 
I, I don't know what time zone you're in, actually, but we we can get we can get out of here. I mean, when we, I I, been going. I gotta go to bed, dude. I've got to get up oh, at four thirty in the morning. Anyway. There's Ben too. Ben always oh. wrecks the party. I know. No, he doesn't always. He just has to get up at four thirty. Let's respect. I that. know. That's I have to okay. get up at like seven thirty, and I'm pissed. So mm-hmm. well, and I usually don't get home until five p.m. So it, it, between travel, waking up, and getting ready, it's it's twelve thirteen hour days for six days a week. So hey, it's been Fair a good enough. chat, you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you so, so much. much. It's not I every day you meet thought, a Navy I hope SEAL. You guys did, yeah. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back on. We'd love to have you back on at some point too. Thank you. For yeah, sure. yeah, we'll do it. I hope people watch Contraland and share it, and I hope uh, some we'll good comes it. from this this chat that we've had tonight, man. And, and yes, along with some fun. Yeah, tell us again where we can find you because it's exactly. at the very the end. So yeah, we want. Yeah, to. give us your well, plugs. Um, yeah, so vetsforchildrescue.org is our main website, and contralandmovie.com is our uh, documentary website and uh, you can find me on craig sawman sawyer on facebook and and just about other any other social media platform and if you look at my link tree in my signature it'll link you to all my other platforms so perfect is there Uh, any way to donate to your organization oh yeah we've got a secure donation button right on our website so right right perfect We'll do uh, it. Go after we're done here. Email me all your links, anything you want included in the show notes, and I'll put them in there so that it's easy okay. for people. Because people always want links; they want the links. You know, they can't just yeah. Google it; they got to have the links. Yeah. Sorry, we'll Not make a it sphinx, easy for them. Links. All right, yeah, links. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do. All right, buddy. Thank you Take so care much. Good you guys. to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You, you all, all right. as well. Yeah. Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.